0: Hi, and welcome to another Film 5.0 podcast. All right, we're in a continuing uh, episodes of talking to each other, and right now we're just watching or dealing with Steve about uh, directors that he's worked with, and we've gone down the list already. We've talked about John Landis, Richard Pryor, uh, Custogavris. So this is podcast three. And today we're going to start out with who, Steve?
1: I thought at this point we could talk about Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Uh, I mean, because I mean, after I did Music Box with uh, Costa Gavras, uh, I worked on Backdraft in Chicago. But <clears throat> I was on the second unit in Backdraft, so I didn't, You know, I was doing a lot of fire stuff, and, and I didn't really get to know Ron. Too much on that. He was there, but being that I was on the second unit, there were times when we were working when he wasn't there at all. But but because of that job, I think I was hired to go on far and away. Oh, that's great. Which which came up after that. So,
0: I mean, uh, production wise, that had to be really close. Like that, that almost. Like production had to be overlapping for him because it, they were so close in
1: filming, it was, weren't they? I don't remember, but it was pretty close. But, uh, far and away, was you know we did that. It was warm out, and uh, I don't know. Probably the next, the following spring, I think. You know, I, 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 I can't. I'd have to look at a call sheet to look at dates, but uh, yeah. Far and away, we we went to Montana, and. Um, you know, because in the second part of Far and Away, when Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman come to America from Ireland, if you don't know the story, they wind up doing um, the uh, land rush in Oklahoma. Yeah. So we play. So we played Oklahoma in in Montana, and uh, I mean, I you know, I guess back in the day when they did the land rush, they looked pretty similar. So uh, I guess, but. Uh, I mean, Montana was great. The weather was beautiful, and we were we were filming a lot at the. There was a train station right down the street from our hotel where we we they built sets and we did a lot of stuff on the trains and stuff, and uh, that was kind of fun. And um, uh, but anyway, I, I I I went there on the B. I was the B camera first assistant along with Ian Fox. He was the A camera first, and and it was the first sixty-five millimeter show. Hedivision had done since the 60s. I forgot the name of the one. but there Probably was one. a
0: mad, 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 mad world.
1: It, it might have been. That That wasn't the one that came up, but it was about that time. Mm. It was something that was done 65 millimeter. And um, so, I mean, I, I didn't know it. you know, I knew that cameras on a, you know, if you look at a picture, they look the same, except it's bigger. <laughs> but, yeah. But Huge. When, when I showed up, um, um, I remember going on the camera truck, and they were already prepping. and uh, uh, Danny Tees was was the second assistant with Ian, and, and uh, you know, they they there were two utility cases that had come, like to put our stuff in. They came from Panavision, and they had put our names—a plaque with our names—on each one of them. Ian and cool. myself. I still have it. It's a great case, although yeah, I've seen my, it. My today's standard is pretty heavy, but because uh, it was the metal, metal A g- yeah. and J case. A and J case. Yeah, I mean, it's strong as hell, but it's pretty heavy even empty. But will anyway, you that uh, was, will you will that to me? Uh, maybe. Okay. I'm going to live. I'm living forever, though. I didn't. I, I have, hope you do, my friend. I've, 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 I've told everybody that already so don't be looking for a will i'll be around <laughs> a lot longer than any of you so anyway Good. so anyway um the case came but but anyway my camera was still in a in, a, in the panavision box and um and i opened it up and as if, as you as if you know panavision the the cap on the top for the magazine is also a handle so so when you when you when you reach in you can pull it out of the case by the top right. handle so, so I reached in and started to pull it out, and I actually thought it was stuck because I was used to a Pentaflex, and which is thirty-five pounds maybe. But, uh, but, and then I realized this that it was not stuck, and and they were like, la- "It's that heavy." Oh yeah, the other citizens were cracking up because they said, "They're like, <laughs> like you know, guess what?" And and that's just a bare bones body. I think yeah. it's... I think it's 80 pounds, 80 or 90 pounds, just the body, you know, with nothing, with nothing on it. So, you know, and it it was like, man, this is a, this is a movie that's (laughs) a Wild West kind of rugged, run and and gun movie. Is this the, who's, you know, like, whose idea was this? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it was Ron Howard's. They wanted to shoot on 65 and, um, they were, I mean, in the long run, they were right to do it because there's so many beautiful shots in the film, panoramas and stuff, yes. not just in not just in Montana, but in Ireland as well, and that's another story. But um, anyway, um, you know that that was another situation where the crew got to know each other pretty quickly, and I knew I knew the people I was working with from from backdraft and steadicam.
0: Um, oh, Greg Lunsgaard. Greg Lunsgaard. The one
1: and mind. only, yeah. Yeah, for, forgive me, Greg, but I went blank. Greg is the one that actually hired me and brought me with. And, uh, mm. But Greg and I, you know, we knew each other from Chicago, and he's, I mean, he's like a first-class steadicam operator. Yes. And, uh, and, and he's good and, and a great guy. So, in fact, in Montana, we wound up doing a lot of weekends where we'd do a lot of mountain biking, and it's right out of the town, and we'd get into the mountains, and we would rent a... SUV and take our bikes up to the mountains, and we did that almost every weekend. It was great. So, uh,
0: sounds like a bromance.
1: Oh uh, well, no, <laughs> anyway, Greg was a good guy. So the crew was good. I mean, I, you know, I everybody got along. And Ron Howard, you know, getting back to the the actual director, was very personable, and you know, he was, you know, he was every bit the person that you would hope Opie. Would grow up to be' because mm. he was he was that guy I mean he'd been in the business forever you know and yeah. with his, from a child and his his parents and you know like his dad is in the film business and so on and, uh, his, brother. But, uh, and his brother and his uh, brother and his kids were there and uh, i had, the times when my family would visit uh my son was the same age as one of his daughters uh, what's the one that was in uh, Jersey Bryce, Park? Bryce, same age as Bryce, and they were, they were kids. They were not quite ten, but um, I, have, they used to hang out together. And she, you know, they would, they had, all the typical games back in the eighties and nineties. And I have pictures of them sitting on the camera Tucker on the curb, playing together. She had the beautiful red hair even then, and the, and they, you know, they were friends for the duration of the film when they were there. But mm-hmm. she was there all the time. My kid, my family was not, but. But Ron was great, and um, and I remember one day because I'd gotten myself, I'd gotten myself in pretty good physical shape because I knew what was going to happen, and I'm I'm accustomed to throwing a camera on the, putting it on the head and putting it on my shoulder and carrying it. Now, now suddenly we're in a, a whole different world here. I wasn't sure if I could do that so, yeah i mean it's I mean, enough yeah. to
0: put a uh, flex with a thousand foot mag and yeah. a lens on it and pick it up i yeah. mean you were the one that showed me how to do that yeah. uh and now you're adding even more weight yeah this know? is
1: like a it's probably 200 pounds with with a magazine and i a would lens think so. And so so but anyway it, it you know I, I knew that picking it up was about balance and i was determined to do it that way and i did and i I I got it down and I you know I was a runner and I my legs were good enough and but I remember Ron Howard, one, once said to me we were on the set and uh, I mean because it was summer we were always wearing cutoffs and stuff but he said he said to me something about he said Does it, is it how old do you have to be before you can stop getting in shape and I go, <laughs> I said well I don't know I said I'm I'm, older probably older than you and he goes he said you mean I could still get in shape I said yeah I said you're young but
0: yeah he but, was younger but, than you right but
1: he was younger than me but he was complimenting he said, because you're in good shape and I said well and I know I'm older than you are and I said but I said but you know it's I work at it you know I run and I, I knew what I was up against but he was he was you know he was he would compliment people and stuff like that he said well he said you know this is a pretty physical show and I said I knew it would be so, yeah. I mean there were days there were days when we were in the water in the river and mm. you know we'd where I would walk the camera into the river and find a place to put it down, and, and Damn. there was one—I know it was crazy. But Ian didn't—he chose not to do that. I, I think he separated I, it. I, he would separate it and get somebody to carry the sticks, but he had a reason for that. one he was a strong guy, but he had another reason for it. I forgot what it was, but mm. may, maybe safety. But but I mean, Ian was—he was certainly fit enough to do mm-hmm. it. He's still—he's still a great operator today. So anyway, um. Yeah, uh, there was one day we were in the river and um we were working with the horses a lot and uh and we, the camera was only this far above the water line and and one of these horses broke loose from the trainer, and got jumped in the water with us Whoa. like like and, and and it ran over his camera. Didn't knock it over but I mean, everybody's scattering and yeah. sp- splashing. And then it came to our, our camera. But it, somehow, it didn't knock anything over. We're holding on to stuff. But it's like running around between the cameras. And it was crazy stuff. I, I'm wow. i sure that I maybe someday somebody has a picture of that. but. But we thought for sure we're going to lose these cameras in the water. Like, in, yeah. And there's, a, and there's only two of them in the world. And yeah. It's it's the same two today that Quentin that Tarantino. That there was. Quentin Tarantino shoots 65, and it's the same two Panaflex cameras. Now. Yep. These are the sound cameras. We had other 65 millimeter cameras, like like Arri cameras, that were for for not MOS cameras that mm-hmm. we did like a background stuff. So there were other cameras. And Ari also sent us, like their, their new version. I don't know what was the ARI back in then. It wasn't a BL. It was a no, uh, it right.
0: was. I forgot what the name of it was, but it was a sixty-five mil.
1: Yeah, they had a sixty-five mm version. Yes, they sent us a couple of those too that we used. because we. Had, there were days when we had multiple cameras, like like, sure. as you would expect, as you would expect, and um, but anyway, Ron. Uh, again, he was. He was one of those guys that was, that was always involved on the set and, you know, quiet demeanor and, you know, and just always really knew what he wanted to do, was, was never afraid to poke fun of himself or like, I mean, you know, for making mistakes or anything like that. He, he was funny, as you might hope that hope he mm-hmm. would be. <laughs> and I just remember it being a really pleasant, pleasant experience with him and, uh. And like I said on Backdraft, I didn't get to know him because I was on the second unit. But, mm-hmm. but you know, we were around him every day. And uh, and Far and Away was a pretty physical film, as you can see. Now, the show, you know, they 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 for the Ireland part, they brought in an assistant from Ireland actually to train, who was going to be my second in Ireland. And they brought him in to to train with me, which was amazing and expensive, I I imagine, but. Um, they wanted their crew when we got there to be up on 65 millimeter, and uh, and we certainly were. And uh, you know, also what I didn't didn't even talk about was that Greg on the 60, when he was doing Steadicam, that was also 65 millimeter. And it's a couple you know, more
0: and, uh, yeah, notches couple, to two, put in. Few more that. notches,
1: and and uh, and he was quite capable because him. I mean, him and I used to do the bike rides up in the mountains and yeah. you know, like up the hills and stuff. So he. He kept himself in good shape, but putting a Steadicam on 65 was pretty tough. And but I remember there was one day that they wanted a 65 millimeter Steadicam on a horseback to ride with Tom. That's Cruise. a great
0: combination, yeah, huh? Yeah,
1: because Tom Cruise was a pretty. I can't think of anything Tom Cruise doesn't do, but yeah. he can ride a horse and, he and do ride, really well. And really well, he can ride a horse really well. So, mm-hmm. and anything you see in the movie with with riding and even with high speed as him you know like is that he you know we would we would set up shots along trails like we're on a road where we'd put the camera on an insert car and follow him on horseback and stuff and like Mm -hmm. you know know, at full gallop but to ride with him so um you know i remember the day we did it ron was it was me and greg and uh, the stunt coordinator and the wranglers that did the horses and ron was there and uh you know, they had one particular horse that they thought could handle this. You know, and and it wasn't just about the weight; it was just the spooking of the horse because it's
0: oh a, yeah. You know, I it's mean, it's a machine. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Horses are like when when you said Steadicam on a horse, I was like, listen, I've I know horses, and we've worked <laughs> yeah. with them, and I know cameras, and that's just an oh, wow.
1: Yeah, well, as you know, like a Steadicam is is a weird rig that. That kind of hangs out anyway, so it's, yeah, the it's, it's, distribution,
0: right. you, yeah. you know, and the horse feels that
1: with your butt yeah. as you're moving. Well, plus not only that, visibly, it's something. I mean, they've had riders on them before, but to have this appendage, yeah, sticky, sticking out, they know they know that horses are they sense that the, and yeah. so the Wrangler, they had picked one horse that they thought could handle that because they were worried about it, like in, and they were worried about us. Like and so the idea was that I would be on one horse with follow focus and I could ride well enough. But uh, you know, I was riding on the weekends to practice doing all this stuff. And in fact when my family had come out we'd rent horses and got into the boonies. But um uh, anyway, so I was on one horse with the focus and uh so they were putting they put Greg on the other horse and he could ride. And then once they put the steady cam up the horse
0: mm-hmm. just
1: just freaked out. I mean, it, it didn't go complete Christ, but it did not like it, and it, it started bucking right away. And then the, the wrangler pulled on. He goes, "No," he says. That, he said, "I'm not gonna." Yeah. You know, we didn't even try it again. He said, "I'm not doing this." He said because it's too dangerous. He said, "Oh yeah." Not only for you, the operator, but the camera. It's going to be. You
0: Everything. Know, the horse
1: is going to get hurt. The camera is going to get hurt, and you're going to get hurt. So he didn't want to. He. You know, he just, he called it right there. He didn't want to try We didn't even try it a second time. And Ron, yeah. and Ron, he was, he totally respected, you know, he trusted them. And it wasn't like, oh, what do you mean? Like, But he was fine. He said, okay. I, I think
0: for people who don't know about, you know, what we did in our business, we have to say that it was at times extremely physical. Um, I have family members, they'll say, you know, I would tell them stories and, different things they'd say oh really you had to do that wow that sounds really physical i'm like yes i worked out when i wasn't at you know if i wasn't on a show i was working out i was staying in shape constantly because you never know what you had to do right
1: no you didn't and that's why i said before in one of our earlier podcasts that i i ran at lunch pretty regularly rather than eat lunch because I mean during the during a work day there's craft service on the set so you can always eat like yeah. during the day and and they'll bring things around so <clears throat> actually literally breaking for lunch was something that I didn't really have to do so I would often choose to run. We were talking about uh,
0: staying physically fit in between you know uh, shows. Um, and I do know that you You know, with the 65 millimeter, one of the things is is that you burn out motors uh, because of the strain on a motor with pulling that 65 millimeter film, um, you know, through the mag, through the gate and back up again.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, the the, the, we don't even talk the film load itself. I mean, the film is that wide. And yeah, and, and a magazine normally when you're loading a Panaflex, you open it up and you. You put the magazine on top and pull the loop in, but mm-hmm. you can't do that with this camera. Somebody has to do it for you. Somebody has to hold the magazine for you because you can't do it with one hand. And you you feed it in while your assistant holds the magazine. So wow. so anyway, that's just to give you an idea of the stress on the motors. It's, it's pulling. You know, there's a there's a there's a pull down that's pulling that film through. I mean, there's also motors in the in the magazines, but uh, but the, the camera, there's a lot of stress on, on that camera. There's a lot of things going on, and um, but so um, one of the things that we had, which was uh, unlike other films, is Panavision had sent us their guy, Don Earl, who was the, who was there. He was, was the, the guy. He was the guy for 65 millimeter, and he kind of stayed with us, and he he lived with us in Montana for that. Because it, they they anticipated issues and there were a few, not a lot, but there were some. Like, but as as would be expected, but uh, mm-hmm. but uh, but he was there the whole time and it it uh, it made a difference. And uh, Don sure. Stewart guy.
0: Must... Well, if if you remember, uh, you know when we you know uh, talk about the films we did together um, in uh, *Courage Under Fire*. If you remember, every every when we were working nights. And then we would sleep during the day. The cameras went in to a technician, to an airy technician, and he would clean the cameras every night or every day, depending on if we were on a day schedule or night.
1: You know, I, I'd forgotten about that. Remember yes, that? Yeah, because it was that. so
0: dusty with all the yeah. tanks that they brought someone in, and every night the bodies would go mm. in, and if we, you know, it was extremely dusty, then we would send, you know, the zooms in or something like that, but. Yeah,
1: I remember that. I, I had forgotten all about that, but yes, now I remember. But yes, that was the the routine at the end of the day was to pack them up and give them to be maintenance to be service. Yeah, mean uh, and and a wise decision. A it was. It saved us a lot of time because I mean we would have had to do it, but but it was stuff. It was it was not a normal situation and like like working with tanks in the desert. Yeah, uh, giant dust machines. Uh, we knew well, that. And,
0: and think even about the camera truck, too. I mean, that was a dusty yeah. environment because you couldn't get, I mean, we'd have dust storms that would come up. And there's really no way to open that, you know, the camera body and service that with that amount of dust. In fact, if I remember right, we were um, checking, you know, for hairs in the gate through the lens, which is yeah. something we normally don't do. Yeah,
1: but we to had keep, to because
0: yeah. you had to keep that
1: environment so clean we wanted to try to keep it closed as much as we could and right. normally when you check the gates but on particularly on a Panaflex well on an Airy too right you open it up and you pull the you actually pull the gate out physically and look at the edges to see if there's hair or dirt on it but but in this environment that could have created more problems like in terms of stuff because of it was the desert and there's always stuff blowing around. So a lot of the times we would check through the lens without opening anything up. And, you know, if you look around the, you can see the edge of the, you know, if you, if you inch the, the frame where the shutter is open, you can see the, the frame that's being exposed, that piece of film and you can see the edges of it through the lens. It's like magnified. So you can actually see if there's a hair. It's not a bad way to check the gate, but, but that, that's the safest way in that environment. Now, now, far and away, was was not totally unsimilar than that because of, because it was the same kind of environment without the tanks, but there were a lot of horses and carriages and things and, and sure. trains. We did train work too, but uh, but it was it was similar. But um, but you know, I think Ron, you know, like, I think Ron, he understood what he was what he was up against, and uh, I, I guess the story is kind of relates to his own family coming to America. Like, in the, oh. you know, it's not a, it's not like a, for, you know, like a true story, but it's, mm-hmm. it, it's connected to the, his history, his own history coming like when they came to America. So, I mean, there, uh, uh, um, the original title for the film was, was something else, but, uh, but uh, it was changed to Far and Away you know, before we started. Oh, it was Irish the, Story, wasn't it? Irish, yeah, it was Irish yeah. Story. Yeah. Which 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 made perfect sense from his standpoint. Sure, I'm I'm not sure why it got changed. I, I had heard the reasons, which made sense, but I forgot what they were. But I mean, there were legitimate reasons why they changed it. The, sure, and,
0: and but, you know, it's it it's always two or three word uh, titles that work the best. You know, like yeah. far and away or Irish stories. So
1: yeah, you know, I think there was some issue with with.
0: Maybe there was another
1: Irish um, story. Um, well, but I mean, I think I think ethnically, they didn't want to make. I'm going out on a limb here, but make Irish people because we were going to be filming in Ireland too. Make people in Ireland think that this is the classic ultimate Irish story, and it's, and yeah. it's not. There's a million of them, but it's one of them. But I, I think they wanted to get away from that universa- universality mm-hmm. of that title. I think. But Far and Away worked well, and it, again, I can watch yeah. the movie. Every, I can watch it over and over again. It's a beautiful it's a beautiful film. Beautifully shot. So Who's the DP? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. Uh-oh. I better bring
0: out my IMDb if you're following along. Yeah.
1: Yes, and I worked with him. Um, oh, my God. Stop. You okay, hang on. Out, I'm so. pulling it up. Hang on. It's embarrassing. Uh, Ron Howard. Okay. Uh, far and Away. It's embarrassing. Where'd it embarrassing. go, Steve? I know. Yeah. I know embarrassing and and I've worked with him since then too he's a great cameraman so now he's a director Oh you have so, Yes Hold on oh, um uh, Mikael Solomon is it Solomon is it mikhail Um
0: yeah, mikhail. Hang on we're we're having <laughs> we're having technically technical it, it's difficulties mikhail,
1: It's Mikael I'm, I'm sure it
0: is It's Mikhail yeah. Uh it is uh Mikael Solomon
1: Yeah Mikael yep. Solomon yeah, I mean he was I mean, he shot it beautifully, and, uh, you know, there were a lot of, like, bar scenes and boxing scenes, you know, because one of the things that that Tom Cruise did, you know, coming to America, and he was boxing for money and stuff, so we did a lot of Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. and uh, So that was a big deal. But Mikhail was great. He's he's now a director, and um, speaking of directors, I wound up working with him again a few years later as a director, and uh, he hired me on a show in... In Chicago, actually, to do, to be on the first assistant on the A camera, and that he was the director of which, I, which was kind of nice. though. Know? but yeah. Uh, so we had, so we met again, and um, uh, and, and and on Far and Away, uh, I wound up, I got a really great credit on Far and Away. Like, uh, I mean, I I got the credit for the first assistant in the United in the United States first assistant, and Ian and got the assistant for Ireland, but. The fact is that Ian was the assistant on the whole film. I mean, mm-hmm. Why they separated it was, I mean, it was flattering, but but, but uh, Ian had said that, uh, he said, if you had any doubts whether Mikhail respected your work or not, he said, just look at the credits, and, uh,
0: yeah. and there was.
1: So, I mean, well, I, and,
0: you know, if, if people are following along and they've listened to the previous podcast, you can see a pattern here of hard work, good work, you know it 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 gets you your next job yeah you know so i mean, so,
1: he, I mean he, ian was the guy he was the first i mean ian is a great assistant and he, you know and i've worked with him, we were you and i both worked with him yeah. again later you know but that's November what i'm ago.
0: saying is that it, it, if you do that good work and they see it they'll hire yeah. you back yeah and indeed that's happened to both of us throughout yeah. our careers and it's yeah. just do the work put your head down do yeah. the work
1: right ian moved he moved up he moved up after that. In fact, when we worked on Jungle Book with him, he was yes. the op- he was he was the operator, which was great. Didn't he? But yeah. I mean, he not He's he's still working. I think Peter. deep Ping, now, yeah, yeah. To keep, Peter Cavatucci was working with him in Ireland, I think, recently. Yeah, I think so. On something, but he's, and uh, you ran into him again on uh, on the horse film uh, the, about the famous racehorse uh, with. Jeffrey,
0: oh, Seabiscuit. Yeah. Seabiscuit.
1: Yeah, he that's ran right.
0: Into him again.
1: I did. And uh, yes. And, uh, so he's been around, and he's still, and he's still around. He's a good guy.
0: Yep. yep. All right. So let's move on to another guy. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Danny DeVito.
1: Before we move on, I, I, let me just say that you know, I mean, I didn't talk much about Ron Howard, and this is about directors, but but I but I have to say that my experience has been that you know, my overall experience on a film coming off a film it all starts at the top, you know, like, and, and, you know, like that, there was a great experience with the directors that with Ron and the directors I mentioned before. And it all starts at the top. If, I mean, if you have a director that, you know, that, that's, that doesn't care about the the crew and is not personable, you're going to remember that. And it's, and you're going to come away with feeling like it was a bad experience and, and far away was not a bad experience. And, and I owe that to Ron Howard because he, He ran, he ran the ship and with kindness and respect and, and he's, and he's a really nice guy actually. So, so I mean, if anybody got the chance to work with him again, do it because he is the man. Well,
0: and, and that's also a theme within, you know, our podcast is, you know, you remember the good ones and the nice ones. And a lot of times those two things went together. Um, there's, Listen, our, our, everyone's job is hard enough, and uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino has said many times, he said, "I just try to hire the best because I can't do it all, and I yeah. need the best people to you know make my dream and my vision
1: come yeah. true." right Well and that's, and this is true, but also, you know from from our experience, like 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 I just said, when when you leave a film, you, your memories are going to be. They're going to be molded by that total experience, and right. and mo- and most of that comes from the way the film is being directed. Because yes. you're on un- you're under that wing, you're un- you're under that umbrella too. And it's like, you know, if 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 things are screwed up and the director's not nice, or if it's not if it's not pleasant with the actors, that's gonna you're gonna feel that too, and you're gonna come away remembering that stuff. So I mean, I can just say that working with Ron Howard was a, was a pleasure, and I. I came away with some of the best memories, even though I can't specifically name stuff that happened. I right. came away with the best feeling from that film, and it was because of Ron Howard, so I think. So, so after, after I'd done that film, uh, I think that Hoffa was probably the next film I'd done back in Chicago. That came before uh, The Fugitive, right? So, mm-hmm. Yes. Because you were working on Groundhog Day at that yes, time. Yes, I was. Yeah, so Linda and I had not, we had not really started working together yet, although we knew each other and I had helped her get jobs and different jobs. Steph, in fact, Groundhog Day, I, I think I assisted in getting you that job. But you so, did, yes. But, but anyway, so anyway, back in Chicago, they were doing Groundhog Day out in the suburbs, and we started the movie Hoffa in Chicago, um, and Danny DeVito was the director, which... You know, I didn't know what to expect from that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, knew, you know I, I knew him as an actor because I had worked with him on *Terms of Endearment* a few years right. before that, and I'd worked with Jack Nicholson a few years on *On Terms of Endearment*. So here they were together again, and the border, and, here, and the border. Yeah. So, but here's Danny DeVito again, and um, as a director. So, I didn't know what to expect, but because c- you know, as an actor, it's a different thing. But I have to tell you, from from the moment I arrived on the set. He t- he could not have been nicer and more personable, and uh, I mean he was gracious to people. And uh, when visitors would come, I remember my family came, he he like stopped and and wanted to meet them and shook you know was gracious and, and kind to them. And but he was just so personable. And uh, I mean, he's he's the guy that you. You, when you see him as an actor, that you want him to be in real life, and he, he's, 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 he's he was pretty amazing. And because uh, that again, that again, that I mean, it wasn't a comedy by any means, but it was a serious film about yes. the story of Hoffa, and uh, and some of it was tough. And um, again, it I was a tough film.
0: I remember seeing yeah. it in the theaters. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And again, I hooked up with Dusty Blavo again. He came, on, he came on as the first assistant and i came on as the b camera first and the same as we were well actually i'd been his second before we'd really right. been in that that situation but
0: but you knew each other and he knew yeah, we your knew work other. ethic yeah. yeah yeah
1: and the cameraman was the same with you know we knew him steve burham from the outsiders and rumblefish and he was he was okay with me because we knew each other and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know it was a different it was a different place to be but you know but you know, in all the seriousness of the film, and it was, I mean, DeVito, he kept, he kept it, it was on the edge of being sort of fun at the same time, because uh-huh. he always, he was always able to insert those little moments that, you know, where he kept people relaxed and, uh, you know, here, you know, again, you know, I'd worked with Jack Nicholson before a couple of times, so, but it, but a lot of people had not, so you know like so that's kind of unnerving when you come in and here's Nicholson playing a really serious character so a yeah. lot of people a lot of, a lot of the local crew were, were a little nervous with that but Vito he kind of he kept he kept the edge off because he's I mean, I mean he was a perfect pick for that kind of a film because he was just he was he was personable and nice and he and he really understood Filmmaking, because you know he'd been involved with, as an actor, and also on, and from Taxi years ago, he'd, he was involved in that and on terms. But 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 he'd been around. He'd been around. It wasn't like he like he'd stepped into something where he didn't know what he was doing because he did, right. And uh, and it, and it made it easy for all of us. And uh, like I said, Hoffa, because I I wound up doing a lot of assisting a lot of Steadicam stuff on Hoffa, and um, you know where we were walking through crowds and close-ups on Nicholson and stuff. So so it was it was a hard. It was a hard job, and um, but I, I remember I got in trouble one day for the, my gate check principles. <laughs> uh oh. So, 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 I mean. You didn't pull. I I didn't pull because mm. it was a windy day, and um, and 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 Steve Byrne was very adamant about checking the gate the right way, and he didn't ever want right. us to do it by opening the lens and looking in it. Well, and and, and, and
0: and we should tell everyone that the you know the on uh, movie sets and and you know they expect you to physically pull the gate out and check yeah. it that yeah. going through the lens is only if you're in those conditions
1: we spoke yeah. about otherwise yeah. you pull well it, it, this was a situation steve wasn't around he was we were away from him and it was a particularly windy gusty day i made the judgment to not pull the gate out and i looked i went i I think I took the lens off and looked, took a real quick look. But uh, oh. but uh, anyway, uh, and, and I thought nothing of it until the next day. And uh, so, then, so after dailies, uh Dusty walked by me and jokingly. He goes, he says, boy, you're in hot water. And I go, what are you talking about? He says, oh, Steve will Steve'll tell you. And I go, oh, God, what did I do? So mm. I didn't know what had happened. So Steve Burham approached me. He confronted me and he said, did you check, when you checked the gate, did you pull the, and I said, no, I didn't because I was worried about the wind. And he goes, well, he said, however you did it, you missed a hair. It was, mm. In daily, it was a big deal. But that was a big deal then. Like nowadays, you just, stuff like that can, right. can be taken. I mean, they could take it out then, but it was a bigger deal. So like, a, but but it was, apparently it was pretty visible. And how big and, is it too, you know? Yeah, um, apparently it was. I mean, I wasn't in dailies. It was waving at them when when they were screening it. Yeah, I mean, even Dusty said, "Yeah, it was pretty evident." So anyway, Steve was not happy, and I wasn't in dailies. Fortunately, I probably could have yelled at, but uh, yeah. I mean, he didn't yell at me, but you know, he was. He just asked how I did it. He said, "Look," he said, "There's a reason why I want it done that way," and he said, "Don't do that again." And I said, "I said, you know, I made a judgment call, and it was the wrong one." So anyway,
0: right. And for all of you listening. If you're working with film, you yeah. now know from that story, pull the gate.
1: Pull it out, yeah. Because I mean, a lot of things can happen when you pull the gate, like sure, I mean, it, can, mean, it can it can mean, fall out too. I mean, if there's a hair there, maybe it came out when you pulled mm-hmm. the gate, and then you and then you put it back in. But at least you've resolved a problem that maybe you right. didn't even see. But but if you don't do that, I mean, sometimes looking through the lens, sometimes you can see the edge. But you know, if the if it's a hair that's it's the color of it, and you know it blends with the film. The color mm-hmm. of the film, it's, you know, you could miss it. You know, you know so you can, right? Every because you know, every hair not going to be black. No, mind, so, and
0: so. and we should say and clarify that a lot of times the hair in the gate was from the emulsion, not somebody's yeah. hair. It wasn't hair; fr- it
1: was stuff. Stuff. Yeah. Right. It was yeah.
0: stuff. So, being that the emulsion is like a brownish <laughs> color, and the um the um uh that's the uh the silver side and the back side is black you know you can get those little bitty hairs in there they're tiny little things in fact uh when i started working with steve sometimes if we were in low light situations or something like that he'd pull the gate out and hand it to me and go you
1: look do you remember doing that I do I guess
0: yeah a couple yeah. times he'd pull the gate out and he'd go I can't see this you look at it so he he'd hold it up and I'd take a flashlight and rim it and make sure that it was okay and I'd say yeah okay and then he would take his finger and go on the inside to yeah, make sure just, if there was anything just there to be,
1: just to be sure I
0: right and then then stick it back in so
1: yeah but like you said something the color sometimes peeling some of the emulsion yeah can, can act like hairs and if you're looking through the lens you know are looking at the 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 film plane st- because it's the same color you may not see it like, mm-hmm. you know like and you may not even see it when you when you pull the gate out you know, like unless you hold it up because then it's then it has a background and you you know like you know and even backlit. if you don't see it and even if you don't see it you're cleaning you you may never see it and you're still getting it out if some if there's something there because you're you're checking it and you're cleaning it out and putting it back so
0: right I mean, and check, checking, yeah. And uh, if we did have a hair, we would often show that to the director of photography yeah. so they could make the call, and then uh, I would write it on the report. Um, yeah. So that way there was a cross-check like, oh, yes, on that take um, that we printed, uh, there was a hair, but no, it w- it didn't register within the, the, the frame.
1: Right. Yeah, because you know the full frame, the full aperture of where the film is at, is not. I mean, that, that's being exposed, but it's. Right. But it's. But it's not necessarily what's going to be on the screen because if it's one eight five, you got a whole top and a bottom. That's not. That's not going to be on the screen. So something. Something could be in there, and you could get away with it. So, you would often. You would often show it to the DP just to, so you could all, you know, the operator and you could all verify, it, is that safe or not? Like, mm-hmm. is that is that a problem or not? So. You know, then we, we'd still always do it again, but but that way we'd know whether we could print it or not. And uh, when, yeah. when 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 we say print, like like when a, when film goes to a lab, they develop everything, but for dailies they'll only print, make a positive print of the things that you want to see. That right. way you're not you're not spent buying a whole other roll of film just to print everything. So you're you're saving money because you're copying the film again, but you're only copying. The stuff that the the, uh, the, uh, the script, script the supervisor resident. tells you she is circled because that's what you print. You know, like nowadays it, it's all digital, so you don't have to worry about. It. But back then, you only printed the stuff that was good, so you didn't have you weren't using a whole other bunch of film in the lab. So anyway, right? Um, that was that was the reason for it. So anyway,
0: yeah, no, uh, and you know that is uh, you know some people like to put a mat in the gate. You know, uh, so that it it, you know, really keeps the frame. You know, so you're 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 just exposing that frame, but you know, that's where you then could have a possibility if you yeah. have that mat in, that that hair would be yeah. closer to your. You know, yeah,
1: it could it could create problems. It could, it create,
0: could problems. create problems. So yeah. I don't I don't know many people who would use a you know a hard mat for whatever um, aspect ratio you were shooting. No. Not too many people did.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know they exist. I I don't think we ever did, so, but. but no, we I, never did. I, I know they're out there. I'm not sure what the reason for is. but.
0: Yeah, whatever. I mean, you can change the ground glass and do whatever, yeah. but uh, the hard mat, yeah. So,
1: no. I mean, the ground glass is your guide for the operator, you know, he has the lines. Right. You know, that's what he's framing for. You know, the the, the film may be ex- being exposed, the top and bottom, or the left to right of that. But that's what he's framing for, and that's what this is going to be on the screen ultimately. So, right. you, know, you know, when it gets on the projector, that's what's going to be on the screen. So,
0: right. So, uh, back to <laughs> uh, back to Danny.
1: Danny DeVito, great. He was he. It was again, like I said before, when you come away from a film and 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 know that you felt good about everything that happened, it starts at the top, and uh, and and he was one of those guys that. That I would have any trouble at all. Like if somebody said you, you're being hard to work with, Danny DeVito, I'd try jump on that quickly. So, you know, there are directors in my career that I would shy away from, but he was not one of them. I wouldn't have any issues with that at all. In fact, in fact, it made me a bigger fan of his in terms of the things that he does on the screen. And he's done a bunch of things. In fact, he's still doing that. That always sun Shine always shines in Philadelphia. Yeah, so he's still doing that. But I mean, stuff like that. You know, it made me a bigger fan of him because I appreciate his talent. And when you work with somebody as a director, you see so much more than that. It, oh, yes. It, you know, and and it, was a, it was a great experience. And um, I liked right. it. So, so. Cool.
0: Okay, yeah. so then uh, we have one more person on the list. And that is, uh, if you're keeping score, um, we're now doing... When you look him up, you have to look him up under Andrew Davis, but yes. we refer to him as Andy, yeah. another Chicago boy.
1: Another Chicago guy. So, yeah, Andy Davis is like, um, <laughs> it's hard to explain Andy, because he, I mean, in, in all honesty, in real life, Andy is the nicest guy in the He's world. He's <laughs> great. He really is. And uh, we've been to his house and and interviewed him at home and stuff, but Andy's a great guy. He, I mean he doesn't have a huge list of stuff as a director but but he's but but when Andy's on the set he's really intense and uh he's in it and man he's in it and uh and sometimes that can rub can rub people like it can it can be uncomfortable because he's you know like he's blocking everything out he's in it and you know like he he he, he knows that in order to make a better film He's going to shoot as many angles as much as he. Well, I mean, that's true. But, it's it, true. but I mean, I'm not saying that's a funny thing. But he will shoot as many angles. He will cover something to death, and and it really makes it for the editor's job easy. Yes. But I mean, when when we did, I did the package with him before. Uh, we're talking about The Fugitive now. We, well, Linda and I worked... We did, Yeah, we
0: worked on The Fugitive together, but Steve worked with him prior to that yeah. on The Package, which the I package. did not work on.
1: Yeah, on The Package. And that was when I first got to know how intense he was. <laughs> and I remember one day, uh, Frank Tidy was the DP, and um, and Frank Tidy asked him one day, he, says, he said, do you, how do you want to cover this, like this particular scene in hand? He says... How many cameras you got? Yeah. <laughs> like, right? That was his first He did answer. that like, on the fugitive, right? too. He was yeah. like, how many cameras? How, how, how many ways can we cover? Like, just put them out there. And, and he did that. But, 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 I mean, there was something... I mean, it was uncomfortable sometimes because he, he didn't want to get in his stuff when he was like that. There were moments, but you knew you knew andy cuz you knew he had a big heart and you knew he loved what he was doing so you so you were able to step back and and know that when the day's over andy's going to be andy again and oh, yeah. again and it's like again. a switch
0: it's yeah, like oh the, hey how you best, doing and,
1: yeah, yeah exactly and uh, and 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 i felt like on the fugitive the fugitive was a tough film for zorn zorn was the first he was the late zorn was the the assistant on the a camera i was on the b camera you know, we were up against it every day because... Yes. I mean, again, there was... You want to a, talk about physical. Yeah, physical, in the, and it was a great cast again, Like, but uh, uh, I mean, Tommy Lee and uh, Harrison were great, and, and, and you know, and to name a few. But, but but the one thing I remember about Harrison was that from an actor's standpoint, he really understood what we were doing. He understood what the operator was doing. Yes. He understood what we as the focus pullers were doing. So... He would never come onto a set and just jump into a scene. Like if, if, if he knew something was going to be, if he was going to do something in particular, he would tell us and, like, mm-hmm. and show us. Like, you know, well, when I, when I come over to this table, before I sit down, I'm going to reach over here and I'm going to grab this. And, you know, as the focus puller, that's a big deal. As the operator, too. Like, you know, like you get your, you know, you could get your marks with him rather than stand-ins because like, he would tell you what he was going to do. Yeah. And, and
0: he'd hit and, it. And, he'd do it. and he
1: did it. And he did it. You know, it made it made our lives easy. And I'm on the the B camera, which is usually the tighter lens. So, he, so he made my life a lot better. Like um, Tommy Lee, maybe not so much. Tommy, Tommy
0: Lee was, was the complete opposite opposite
1: don't get don't get us wrong. Tommy Lee's a good guy. Oh he's, <laughs> he's great. A, but but he doesn't but, work the same way. At right. All, His like,
0: technique so. is uh, yeah. you'll see when I do
1: it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Versus and, and did, this so. is what
0: I'm gonna do. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. I mean two totally different actors, two brilliant yeah. actors, but their um their approach was just different,
1: that's all. Yeah. And I you know, we're speaking of Andy again, I remember days when when the actors would get mad at Andy because we were moving so fast and sometimes yes. we, we were jumping in. And I remember days when the actors would, 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 there would be words because they would get mad at him, but because he was moving so quickly, but, but that's just kind of the way Andy was. Like yeah. The, I mean, you know, and, yeah. And, that's, and we, and we all knew that, you know, when, like, like I said, when the day is over, Andy's going to be fine. Like, and yeah. I, I mean, there was, there was one day where I had some words with Andy and I, I thought I would probably be fired, you know, like because it was that yeah, bad. Well, then the, it,
0: was it was that bad,
1: and <laughs> and I told the the DP at the time was Michael Chapman, and um, and I remember telling Michael, I said, you know what, I should apologize to him because that, that was pretty bad. He goes, no, he said he won't even. He said he won't remember it. He said, <laughs> you know, he said, you know, he said if you want to, he said, but you know, don't bring it up again. It'll just fly by the, it'll go away, and it did. And that, yeah, because he knew Andy too. He said he won't remember that. So, and it, he didn't. And my, he didn't, and uh, year, years later, my best story about Andy was that um, there was an sh- event in uh, Venice, California, where there was a a dinner and a gathering for Chicago actors and Chicago crew people to meet. It was like a meet thing, a, a party, so to speak, and and all these people were from Chicago were there, actors and directors, and and in fact, Ernie Banks was there, and. Uh, and I grew up watching Ernie Banks play for the Cubs, and somebody when I was in the crowd, somebody said, well, "Ernie Banks is here," I go, and that's that's who I want Mr. to see. Mr. Cubs, yeah, Mr. Cubs. So I actually found him and sat down and and talked with him for thirty minutes. I talked to him, and I and I my this is getting off the subject a little bit, but my favorite story that night was with Ernie when I was twelve. My dad came and took me out of school to go to a baseball game to see the cardinals and the cubs play at Wrigley Field my dad was a cardinals fan and um and at that time Stan Musial was he was the star of the cardinals and he had his he had 2999 hits and he was one hit away from his 3000th hit so um i re- i remember the game in detail that he does. Couple, it's
0: pretty
1: scary. Yeah, but I I don't know why I do. But there were a couple there were a couple balls hit to hit to the right field and the, or left field and Moose Moron had he had juggled a couple balls and and you know I was kind of a Cub fan so I didn't like seeing it but then I think the Cardinals were losing it was like the eighth inning and they decided to bring Stan Musso up as a pinch hitter and everybody I mean the place. I mean, he was a cardinal, but everybody knew. Yeah, the history we, of this that we that we might get this opportunity to see the <clears 000 throat> hit and not do it in St. Louis. So yeah. everybody was on their feet, and I remember everybody was like, you know, like yelling at Moose More. I was in the bleachers yelling at the at the left fielder, "Don't catch it! Don't okay. <laughs> Like <this> guy, <laughs> yeah. whatever happens, don't catch it. So anyway, he he, anyway, he wound up with a double. It's Stamuza did. And as he was standing on second base, all the press came out and I took all the pictures and stuff. So, so when I was telling Ernie Banks that I had been to that game, he goes, he goes, really? And he goes, tell me about it. So I told him exactly the story that I'm telling you, and he's nodding. and Goes, yep, you were there. Like, <laughs> and I said, oh man, I was there. Like I was like 12 years old. But, 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 but Ernie Banks was, he was my hero. I never thought ever that someday I'm working in a film career, and I'd be sitting in California at a dinner talking to Ernie Banks, and, and there we were. But um, See, you know, kids, God this, was, is,
0: this yeah. is what the film industry can do yeah. for you. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. you know, there's just so many interesting stories and people that we have met because of yeah. what we do that are not part of the film business that you just want to pinch yourself,
1: right? Well, I mean, getting back to, getting back to the director at that same party... I saw Andy Davis and a group of people a little far, kind of far away from me, and and I knew that that him and I, you know, we'd had words on the set in a couple of moments, but so so I you know I wasn't sure how he would react to me, and he anyway he saw me across the room and he, he came running across the room and he hugged me and stuff and I you know he said oh great to see you Steve and I said I said I said Andy, I said, Andy don't you remember that I said we had some issues on the film he goes we did he goes all I know is <laughs> he says all I know is that you and Zorn did a great job and I go well. Thank you, but 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 I shouldn't have even brought it up because he. This is Andy. No, he didn't. He didn't he is, no, he didn't remember stuff like that. But I mean, he, he didn't remember been, it the next day. No, but he couldn't have been kinder and gave me a hug. He said, "He said, all I know is you guys, you guys made my movie. You did, a, you did an excellent job." And and, and, and you and did was, because yeah, did, Arnold
0: Copplestone, so. uh, one of the producers, actually came up to us at the end and said, "You know, the editor keeps telling me that there's no unusable footage." That everything yeah. is in focus and, you, and yeah. usable. And thank you. I remember him yeah. actually
1: saying that. Yeah, it was a big deal. I mean, I, it was our, hands off to Zorn because he, I mean, he was the A camera guy. And, yeah. I mean, the late great Zorn. He did it. He he's done. He did a million films before he died. But he, Zorn was great, and it was really easy to work with him. He was very kind. And, uh, yeah. It was good. It was a good. But you know, Andy. Andy had his issues, but you know, he was he was a rough. What what do you call it um, when when there's a rough edge on something? But a rough but, edge. But there, I mean, there's <laughs> a rough. But he had a rough edge on the set. But but you always knew because we knew Andy was a Chicago guy. We always knew that when the day was over that Andy was going to be Andy again. And he, <laughs> he's the sweetest and guy. And indeed he ever. was. And if you ever met him, and if you ever do meet him. You would never imagine that he could be like like a rough edge. Be well, rough he was just set.
0: intense because, like intense, you said, yeah, we yeah. were just moving fast. And yeah. they were also writing that script as we were going along. So, you know, there was a lot of things going on. And, yeah. um, you know, and then, you know, Chappie is brought in and Chappie's trying to do his best and, yeah. you know, keep everything going. But um, yeah. I think that was one of the only movies that I can really think back that we sort of shot in sequence you know Maybe. i mean there were there were a couple things out of sequence but we really you know we Some had to because he somewhat. changes his yeah.
1: beard yeah you yeah, know true. there were haircuts and yeah, and, right and then we went to north carolina to do the dam stuff when he jumps off the dam and stuff that was all right. in north carolina we did the train wreck in north carolina yeah incidentally the train wreck is still there this is 30 years later and um Recently, I was coming back through North Carolina, and and I looked it up on, on a you know I just Googled it and and because I could, couldn't remember where we'd actually shot yeah, it. Yeah, I, I couldn't and, find it. I mean, I wouldn't have found it without Googling it, and and uh, it was off the highway quite a bit from Asheville because we were mm-hmm. stayed in Asheville and um, I remember it and, was quite a uh, ride there. Yeah, it was quite a distance, but so we drove. So I drove to it, and 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 I found the location, but there were signs all around that said no entrance and stuff. And I could see down below that the train was still there. And still there. So I, so I went around to the to the railroad property down by the river where it crashed. And, mm-hmm. and I said, I wanted to go see the train. And they said, well, it, people used to be allowed to go there, but it's rusting and it got dangerous. And, mm. uh, and they were afraid some somebody to get hurt. And they... So it, you know that we were not allowed to let anybody back there. He said, you know, you know, if you came in from the other side, you could probably sneak in. You know, which, which was quite a walk. But you know, he didn't just say I couldn't do it; he couldn't let me in. So I mean, it, at the time, it, I didn't have all day. But so I went across the river. On the other side of the river, where I had a clear view of it and took pictures of it from the other side of the river and it's all still there, just the way it crashed and this yeah. is thirty or thirty well years later. remember so,
0: I mean, so. in order to get to it, we had to go over that hill and yeah, down. down down yeah right um uh so yeah it it's
1: yeah, yeah. it's down there and, and it's down and there's but like he said, there's a way if you go if you go to the end the other side of it there's a way down there he said the locals still kind of do it but mm-hmm. it, you know it's not as a big it's not a big a deal to the locals anymore as it was no. years ago but but you know he said it's possible but he just I, he said I can't give you permission to get down there but but I got pictures of it but the fact that they left it and he said they left it because it became like a big tourist thing for mm. years and that's cool because the, the train wreck and the fugitive again it's real and it's yes. like there's no CGI back then, and the, I mean the bus tumbling down the side of the hill. They did that one night, all but the second unit with all these cameras. And then we were there for the train, for the train wreck, and um, you know we shot all the stuff in the in the uh, bus, you know where Harrison, you know he's getting getting his keys and getting unlocking himself, and you know and then we can see the train coming and we're, we're in the bus where we did all that stuff, but. You know, like setting up for it, and then we jump outside. And but we had all these cameras rigged for the actual crash, including yeah, they did that inside. the night
0: before we shot the the next day. And yeah. um <clears throat> yeah. I forgot how many cameras they had. And uh, yeah, it was about um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think the only CGI thing was when Harrison. I remember shooting Harrison getting out of the uh, driver's side window of the bus. Bus, yeah. That was the only thing that was a uh, um, A CGI thing.
1: No, he got out. We shot that, but him jumping off the bus. That's what I mean. When he jumps off before the train hits, that was CGI. Because it was right. way, the train was way too close. Yes. You know, they, they, we shot the train hitting the bus, and they added him later because the train yes. was, it was, way, it was way too dangerous. And, uh, but that, that might have been the only CGI.
0: I think it was. In, in the
1: film, except for the dummy on the dam, the falling <laughs> off the dam. That wasn't CGI. It was just a dummy. But that, that was just a real uh, dummy. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but we... The, the, the stuff in the dam when they're going through the tunnels, the draining tunnels and stuff, before they get to the, to looking over, that was all a set built in Chicago. It was a, this 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 elaborate tunnel set with water running through it. It was pretty amazing actually. So we could go inside, put our cameras. The whole scene where, where uh, Tommy Lee drops his gun and Harrison picks it up, and all of that is on a set with water rushing through it. And then, then when we got to the dam. We got to the part where, where they're walking out to the edge. That was the spillway. We, yeah, the spillway. So we walked out to the edge, and the camera tips down, and we look down. We looked down to see that it's a dam. That was that was a real spot.
0: Yeah, but, but it um, was uh, the spillway. It was um, a wooden frame, and it was about I think it was about twelve feet, twelve or twenty. No, it had to be about twenty feet long. So that we could get the perspective, and that was actually on top of the dam, yeah. so it wasn 't actually in a spillway, it yeah. was positioned
1: yeah, on it was up top there, of it, so, right? yeah, it was up there, so
0: yeah, I mean it was when when we approached it, I was like, well that 's genius, you know because yeah. I was like, how are we going to do this?" and then yeah. um, you know they, we had to do the shot of them throwing the dummy off, and then we had to go down and then shoot up you know to yeah. see the dummy.
1: But I remember that particular day when they were. Andy uh, he asked Linda and I to go out and uh, he had he wanted to rig a bunch of cameras all around at the end of the for the for the drop yeah and remember there were on the different towers on the dam so he sent he asked Linda and I to go out and. You know, he said, "Oh, you, you know, you guys use your judgment," and he let us go out and set up shots, like different shots, including the shot where the dummy falls down, mm-hmm. where we rigged, we, we rigged, locked off cameras. But, you know, but you know, he was, he said, "You know, I trust you guys to do it. You know, and you guys go do it." And he didn't, he didn't go and check, double check anything we did. We just did it. Something.
0: Yeah, I but, mean, I, that's that's you know, some directors are really hands on and they want to look through. And they went, I mean, if. You know, be, I think it's be, you know he trusts Chappie, he, and before they, yeah. just, you know, just trusted um, Frank Tidy, that if you, that you were putting the camera in the place where it was going to get the best, you yeah. know, possible image, and he was cool yeah. with that. You know, he trusted yeah, he people,
1: and he was cool with that, and and he knew us, and like, and by that time he knew he knew that, you know, even though there were there were tense moments and crazy moments, he knew that he had a crew that was had his back, and, absolutely, uh, and and he appreciated it, and. Uh, just by stuff like that, you knew that he respected what you did. He didn't. He didn't ask anybody to go out and double check what we did. He didn't even do it. So, but no, but, uh, no he was fine with that. And um, but um, I mean, it was all. And Chappie, Chappie had come on after the show had started, and uh, so he had a lot to get used to, too. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but, it was, but it was good. And Chappie, I mean, Chappie was Chappie. Chappy chappy. He's chappy. an old-time DP that. But the nicest guy on the planet, but was was a hard worker and serious about what he did. So, so I mean, there was some there was some budding occasionally, but they both knew that they both knew, and we all knew that we're we've got a good thing going. This is oh, a good yeah. project. So everybody knew it. So, I think so, that was
0: so. evident from the yeah. very first day that
1: yeah we knew. You know,
0: it, so. it, it, you know, we read the script, and you know, it wasn't exactly what. The final product was because again they were you know rewriting and, and doing doing a lot of that, but you we just knew early on, I know I did that this was going to be something,
1: yeah, and it and then, was. And then years later, uh, Chappie gave he gave me the best compliment of my career on the set, and uh, we were doing a film a few years later, Primal Fear. Yes, Primal Fear, and they came to Chicago for some of it, and I remember. Being, we were, we were outside, and we had this long lens shot of the actor running through the bushes, at me, and uh, mm-hmm. and it was one of those shows where they were they were going, come on, come on, let's go. The producers, they want to rush, and 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 I was getting marks, and uh, which yeah, I was yeah. going out and grabbing, yeah, we were, we were twig, and we were getting everything we yeah, could do, anything to, we to could mark, to make a mark, and and they were hollering, and, and Chappie put his hands up, and he said, hold it. And he's st- in front of everybody. He, goes, he says, "Steve Hiller may be one of the best focus pullers in the world, but even he needs a little time." And it was like, <laughs> "Thank you." Chad. But it was to me that was the compliment of my life. That coming yeah. from, from from Michael Chapman, that was great. So the, the late great Michael Chapman. So
0: yes, yeah, uh, but, uh, he w- and he's a guy who came up through the ranks. So it, yeah. he just didn't put get a meter in his hand and start shooting. Yeah. So he knew. Yeah what it takes Uh, and we will have more um, stories of Michael Chapman and and
1: different things as we get going. I'll finish up with Andy and you know I'll just say that you know in in retrospect I liked working with Andy I mean there were like I said there were moments because he was intense I liked Andy and we have been we went to his house and interviewed him years later with Linda Linda did for our seminar he could not have been more articulate and kinder and informative you know yeah. about what a director's job is and he 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 put it into the, the words better than probably anybody does in terms of he you know when i'm hired you know i know you know what my what i have to do and he he you know you'll see in later on in our in our seminar that he really describes it better than anybody what he knew what the job was and you know and and He's very focused, and he when he told us this stuff in his own, in his own home, he could not have been nicer and more articulate. So, and uh, so I appreciated that. And Andy's a good guy. So
0: yeah, he is. And if you have a chance to watch his first film, it's called um, A Stony Island because he grew up in he, uh, he, Stony oh, he Island. Did,
1: he did do that.
0: Yeah. Yes, right. and his brother was in it, and and it was basically a family affair. But if you have a chance to look at that, and again. All the directors and the DPs and the people we're talking to, uh, I encourage you to look on IMDB and check out their work because these are, you know, these are true artists and great directors and great DPs, and you need to know what has come before what you're seeing right now.
1: Well, Andy was a DP as well. you know. Yes. And he did a lot of things in Chicago as a DP, so as a director... Having been a DP, he really understood how to set shots, and that he knew different angles, and he knew the ways to help his editor. and, uh, and And he has said it many times that, I mean, *The Fugitive* is like. You know I directed it, he said, but the editors put that to put that together, yeah, but but the bottom line is you still have to give them something to edit, and he did, you know like i mean you you can't give all the credit because you've got to you give them something and you got to right. know what to get you have to know what to give them, and he really understood that, so so yes, he did, yeah,
0: he yeah. did all right, well, um on the next podcast <clears throat> Like uh, the end of this one, I'll get more involved because then we'll start talking about films that Steve and I uh, did together. Yeah. And we'll talk this about the with,
1: directors. This is not, be, what is it, before Linda? What we, how this is we, LBL, LBL,
0: Life Before Linda. <laughs> yeah. F- now it's. Bef- now, FBL, now, now Films now Before it's, Linda. <laughs> yeah.
1: now, it, now it's LW Linda, yeah. with, with film FWL. Films with, <laughs> Jesus. Get it Films out, with, Steve. Get it yeah. out, babe. Films um, with Linda. So, yeah, anyway. yeah. So, I have, so the Fugitive was the beginning of it, and then from that point on, we did a ton of stuff together for years after that. So. Yep. And we still right. are, as you can see. So.
0: Yeah, we're. Uh, I still know Steve. Yeah. How are you <laughs> yeah. doing, Steve? And
1: I, yeah, <laughs> so we're thousands of miles apart right now, and she probably never mind. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. We're, Steve. we're we're still good friends. In we're fact, still different. Uh, we we've traveled and done films, documentaries together all over the world. Actually, so right. And we're still doing and we're still doing that. That's another story. So.
0: And uh, you can follow all this along on our social media. So if you would like follow and we appreciate it if you share, you can go to Instagram and TikTok where we're at the film five zero. Facebook is the film five point zero, and everything is all together wrapped up in a nice package on our website, thefilm50.com. You can find our podcast there. You can find our uh, latest seminars. And and when those are popping up, all our social media and so much more. Um, Also, um, we're going to be back for more podcasts. Also, look for special podcasts (coughs) that we'll be uh, inserting uh, in between the 15 every 15 days that we're going to hopefully uh put a new podcast up so we're available on uh, anywhere you get podcasts we're everywhere and uh i think we can safely say steve that uh we've checked the gate the gate and the gate is good on this one yes we pulled it we'll pull the we gate pull it. yeah you know, we we're gonna it pull proper. it
1: properly <laughs>
0: properly pull it and um That's it. So thanks for listening to this film 5.0 podcast, and we'll see you on the next one.